Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Nation podcast. I'm Mark Cook, along with my boss, Mr. Scott Reynolds. That would be me. And my other boss, John Ledyard. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully. Thanks again for the second week in a row to another Bucks victory. You're not really my boss, John. You say, John, you got a part. You got a promotion there. Wait, didn't see that coming. Did I get a, your boss? Well, you know, I took a couple days off this week, which we never do during the season. Suspension. Although Scott's going to do that later this year. Suspension. Um, Scott will be suspended later this year for a few days to go visit his uh, his daughter. So anyway, so yes, in, in my absence, John, you were promoted and uh, you're officially my boss until tomorrow morning. Wow. It's a big or, moment for me. Uh, I've been yeah. waiting for this for a long time. A lot of people I'd like to thank, but most of all, I'd like to thank you, Mark, for giving me this opportunity. Not a problem man and our producer extraordinaire mr matthew matera he doesn't have a mic that's okay uh he's got a good looking face on camera that nobody can see hey good news guys uh if you're a buccaneer fan anyway two in a row and it wasn't pretty but it was never really in doubt i mean at any point in this game did you feel like you know last week we felt the lead slipping away a little bit the momentum changing again Against that Panthers team, mm-hmm. even though the Broncos went down and scored right before the end of the half, I still really had no doubt. It was just a dominant performance, really, from from the very first series uh, when Pat O'Connor blocked that punt until until the end of the game. Yeah, yeah John, no you were worried about this, about this one. one for some reason. I don't know why. <clears throat> well, I was before the game, yeah, but pretty clear early on that they had this one in hand. And I mean, the Broncos, like it was it was one of those things where it's like if you blitz Jeff Driscoll in this game. They, there's no chance. Like, they can't do anything. I mean, it was like as soon as they got away from it, boom, drove down the field, touchdown. They went right back to it, safety. Yeah. Everything fell apart for the Broncos. I mean, I just – it's rare that you see a team that – I mean, the offensive line could not figure out, like, an ET twist. Like, they couldn't do it. And, like, Jeff Driscoll could not identify pressure before the snap. It well, was wild. So you we, we're, we're getting some late breaking news out of Denver that rookie center Lloyd Cushenberry third is going to be pressing charges against Todd Bowles for uh, assault he was assaulted for three hours with those a gap blitzes that the broncos just had no answer for and i tell you what it doesn't show up on the stat sheet but devin white caused so many of those sacks just by blitzing the a gap and either occupying cushionberry or blowing past him and occupying the blocking back and that created opportunities for a whole host of buccaneer players to get pressure and, uh, and either come around the edge or go right up the middle like Shaq Barrett did. He had two sacks, one from the outside, uh, not biting on the bootleg. And, uh, and then the other sack was, was uh, a safety in the third quarter for the Buccaneers and got them two points on the board, got Shaq his second sack of the game. And, boy, what a, what a massive day for Tampa Bay's pass rush. Six sacks. We thought we, they had a lot last week with five, six sacks. They have 12 sacks on the season now through three games, and JPP leading the way with three sacks. He's got a sack in every game. Guys, it's crazy to think, but right now the Bucks are averaging four sacks a game. That's 64 for the year if they maintain this pace, which they're probably not going to, but still 64 sacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this team can get over 50 the way they're rushing the passer. 
and they had 47 last year. So they're off to a, a really sensational start. Yeah, absolutely. And man, I mean, this game was first and foremost dominated in the trenches by Tampa Bay, both sides of the ball, I thought, but especially offensive or defensively. Just, I mean, every single player went on one-on-ones. They, the, the fact that Bulls was just continually sending blitzes, which was the smartest thing he could have done, totally rattled Jeff Driscoll, but also in the run game. I mean, they just couldn't yeah. – the Broncos just had absolutely no success at all. I think when you take out Driscoll's carries, it was like 11 carries for 28 yards amidst, amidst the backs, and K.J. Hamler got a carry yeah. for a loss of two. So, I mean, it was just totally relentless, nonstop pressure – and destruction from the from the box front seven on defense. Well, and, and I, I got to say one thing. You know, I've been a little hard on Vita Vea, and and I like Vita Vea. I think he's a tremendous player. I think the Bucks were wise to draft him. I, I was he was a Bucks best bet. I like the selection of him on draft day. It's just that when you're when you're the the twelfth overall pick, and listen, I understand the apologies from Bruce Arians and and Todd Bowles and saying, well, he does so much up front and occupying. Uh, blockers and double teams, and that's fine, but he's not double teamed every play. I think when I asked Bowles about it a couple weeks ago, he said that Vea was was getting doubled about 60% of the snaps. That's fine. You get 40% of your snaps, you get a win on one-on-one. And he did that very often today. Uh, just destroyed Cushenberry up front in the run game, as you said, John, in, in, uh, in uh, the, the pass game as well. He got his first sack of the season. And really, this is the kind of game that he's capable of having and, and being that disruptive force, it's a different type of defensive tackle than Warren Sapp was with that one-gap, three-technique, penetrating, four-three style of defense under Monty Kiffin. I get that. This is a three-four defense. He's not supposed to two-gap all the time. He does, I think, sometimes. But when you look at Vita Vea's production uh, inside, he had two tackles coming into the game. He, has, he had three today, uh, two quarterback hits, a tackle for loss, a sack. And, uh, and I thought he and, and Dominica Sue had another strong game with three tackles and a quarterback hit really controlled the action inside and just put the clamps on the Broncos ground game. And when, when you draft a guy number 12 overall, and it doesn't matter what position he is, those are the kind of impact games, um, you know, that you expect to have from a guy that's a, that's a top 15 pick and, and, and the Buccaneers need to see more of that from him. Now, again, can they win football games if he is has pedestrian numbers like he did the first two games? Yeah, they probably can. Yeah. But it sure makes it a hell of a lot better and easier because that gives those guys on the outside. If if teams have to really concentrate on stopping him as a pass rush threat as well, um, or as a dominating guy that's going to occupy some guys in the middle, then those guys on the outside have to win because they'll have some one on one battles. So he can impact um, things a lot of different ways. But I, I agree when you when you draft a guy number twelve overall. Um, you know, again, I understand the scheme part of things. He was not drafted to play in a three-four defense, although he did that at Washington. Um, you know, but uh, but he's adapted well, and the coaches are finding you know I think the best ways to use him. What we've seen though, this kind of interesting to me is is each week it's it's a different guy, right? Through three weeks, JPP was the main guy the first week, along with Will Golston in that game against New Orleans last week. Mm-hmm. We saw Dominic and Sue uh, be dominant this week. It was Shaq Barrett and. Vita Vea. So, yeah. um, you know, that, that's a good sign. If they can keep that, those guys up front healthy and the outside linebackers healthy, um, you know, this defense is going to be, you know, we, we all talked thought the offense and, and we expect the offense to get much better. And we'll get into that because they weren't, they weren't perfect today by right. any stretch. But if this defense can play as they played today, and again, it was against Jeff, Jeff Driscoll and, and, and there was and a lot rip, of ripping. guys, 
got a lot of guys missing from that Broncos team. Um, but but this defense can carry this team to the playoffs just as much, if not more, than the potential of the offense. In my well, opinion, here's too. here's what I really like. They, they were so strong up front, right, with that pass rush and, and the constant blitzing by Bulls. But that secondary, I thought when you see, you see Jamel Dean, he played, I, I thought, really well today. Eight tackles. So his guys either didn't get the yards after catch uh, or he came up in the run game and made some, some great tackles. Same thing with, with Carlton Davis. So that Carlton tackled really well today. He did miss on the touchdown, uh, you know, down there. That's, Badly. That's for, yeah, that's forgivable. I mean, yeah. that was the only touchdown that they surrendered on defense today. And, but the safety position, this was really the weak link last year when you looked at the safety position not making plays the Bucks' defensive backs only had two sacks last year, one from Sean Murphy Bunting and one from Mike Edwards, who really played in the nickel cornerback spot last year in the Saints game and came on a blitz and got Taysom Hill on a third down. So two sacks last year from the Bucks' defensive backs from the safety position, only two interceptions. Okay, so what have we seen so far through, through three weeks? Well, today we saw Antoine Winfield Jr.'s second sack of the season. We saw Jordan Whitehead, who had an interception last week, get his first sack of of the season today. And then we saw Mike Edwards, who came in and played safety when Antoine Winfield had to move from safety to nickel corner to replace the injured Sean Murphy Bunting, who left the game in the second quarter with a hamstring and groin injury. Edwards comes up with a beautiful one-handed interception to steal a touchdown away from Jerry Judy in the fourth quarter. And uh, so I just like the, the playmaking ability that I've seen from this young safety group here. They, they already have some sacks. They've got some interceptions through three games right now. They've made more splash plays from the safety position that we saw all of last year. And that's so yeah. promising with 13 games left. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely it, huge. I think the whole, the whole kind of aura around the Bucks defensive back unit is like, We've got to create some splash plays, and really that's the NFL today. Like even going against guys like Teddy Bridgewater and Jeff Driscoll, you're going to be playing some zones. At times they're going to have the ability to make plays down the field. That's just going to happen. The nature of the game is oriented toward offense. So how much can you create negative plays for the opposition? That's why I always say what you do in the red zone defensively and how many plays you make behind the line of scrimmage and in terms of creating turnovers is the most important things because it's the thing that you can – control the most like there there are just so many times where you can't cover everybody you can't stop a completion in today's nfl all the time but those things if you can make those kind of plays you put teams in negative down and distance situations or they lose opportunities to move the football by turning it over and you've put yourself in a great position and that's what i think we've seen the bucks do like they've taken a dominance yeah number one run defense and that stuff's great but they've taken that dominance and said not only are we going to shut you down we're also going to make splash negative plays on your on the other end of things and, and give our offense more opportunities too. So yeah, the competition hasn't been amazing the last two weeks, but I think the performance was dominant today. I mean, even yeah. when they scored, they converted that third and 20, which you don't want to give up, but I, I really feel like, and I, I'll be excited to see a good replay of it, but it really looked like Antoine Winfield just got shoved straight over by Tim Patrick on that route. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bruce said the same thing uh, right, talking so. to that Fox person at halftime, that that was offensive pass interference on that. So that probably shouldn't have happened and, and they probably don't score that touchdown. Right. And obviously after that, it wasn't great. You know, you got to, you got to button up and take care of business. But I mean, the rest of the game was just, you know, it was just complete dominance. I felt well, like. And, and so. John, you keep using the word dominance, and I'll just say this. And, and Mark, you know, you and I have watched this team for decades, right? Mm-hmm. And there's always that 
that game where the Buccaneers should win and it's either closer than, than it should be or they just lose. And really, it was, right. it was against the Giants last year, right? That was, that was a game where the, Gi- the Giants had no business coming back and beating the Buccaneers. The Giants were a bad team, and the Buccaneers were better. They just they beat themselves. And, and lo and behold, guys, the, the offense tried to beat themselves a little bit with the penalty situation, but no turnovers by Tom Brady and the Bucs offense. There was the mishandled. Uh, handoff between Leonard Fournette and Tom Brady. And I think that's kind of what got Leonard a little bit in the doghouse. We saw Rojo go through the same thing last year in, in week two against the Panthers. And Leonard Fournette ended up with, with more carries, more touches in that game. That kind of played out the opposite way today as, as really Leonard Fournette um, struggled. Seven carries, 15 yards. Rojo uh, nearly twice as many uh, plays, 13 carries for 53 yards uh you you do add two catches for seven yards uh to Leonard Fournette's day Rojo had a better day uh, two catches for 20 yards in the passing game the running game was not what it what they wanted but my point is is this was not close from start to finish and this was a game 28 to 10 it should have been probably you know 42 to 10 uh if, if the Buccaneers mm-hmm. oh, yeah. can get all four quarters together offensively but um but what I'm liking is I'm liking the dominant performances we've seen and I'm liking the fact that that they're not playing down to the level of their competition they're really kind of stepping on the throats over the last two Mm -hmm. weeks against the Panthers and and against the Broncos and you look at the schedule coming up and you got the San Diego Chargers which we'll talk more about on Thursday I said San Diego Los Angeles Chargers old habits die hard they're always going to be the San Diego Chargers to me, but the Los Angeles Chargers with Justin Herbert, they're one and two. Uh, you know, this, this is a winnable game coming up. And as long as you can win the winnable games in the NFL and, and steal some wins against the better teams, you're going to be in the playoffs. And that's something the Bucks have stubbed their toe on in each of these last couple of years. There was a game or two last year with Bruce. There were plenty of games under Dirk Cutter where they just played down the level of their competition. And, and lost the game, and it's good to see the Buccaneers winning the winnable games right now. Yeah, I think, and, man, even when you look at this team and the, on on the offensive side of the ball, I was way more encouraged this week than I was a week ago. I, I didn't, and I said this, I know Scott, you and I talked about this a little bit. I didn't think Brady was quite as sharp as he was the last two weeks, but I still think he played very well. And I'm not, I haven't at any point in this season been worried about Brady. So. Yeah. When you, I'm just looking at them from a pure evaluation of ability and ceiling standpoint, I was never worried about him. So uh, take him out of the picture. And I thought today that you saw, I mean, you're seeing Scotty Miller now start to stack really good performances. And yes, he should have had a couple that the catch last few week in the end zone and the diving catch today was a tough one. The way he landed, uh, it was a little bit awkward. And so you know, you'd like to see him have those, but at the same time, and he is opening things up down the field. I think Brady missed him down the sideline for a touchdown. Might have been defensive pass interference again. We didn't get a lot of good replays today, so we'll have to see that one again. But I thought they had an opportunity to hook up for another big touchdown uh, in this game and just missed it. Um, and I just think he is putting so much stress on a defense. If you want to double Mike Evans, like the like Bruce Aarons was saying that the Broncos wanted to today and that other teams are going to, it's not just Chris Godwin underneath, you know, death by a thousand cuts now. Now you have to still worry about big plays with Scotty Miller and O.J. Howard's ability to stretch the field. They finally got back to that, getting him out there on that Y-leak down the sideline. 
He's covered. Brady says, I don't care. I'm going to put it up for you. You're 6'6". You bought out all camp. I've seen what you can do. Yep. Go up and make a play. He goes up and makes a play. To me, getting those other weapons going is huge for this, getting Gronk into the offense. Yeah, he's not going to like be to getting 40-yard catches every week, and that's fine, but moving chains and making good secure catches underneath, getting them into manageable third and second down situations. They were so good in third down in that second half because he was consistently getting – in that first half, he was consistently getting them in great down and distance situations. So I was super encouraged by that as well as the mistake-free play from Brady. Thought that they did some really good things offensively. Second half, the penalties and the drops – reared their ugly head again, and they've got to get that stuff cleaned up. I mean, it was really sloppy play in the third quarter again, um, but I still thought uh, a lot of things improved about the process and some good play action, first down play calling that they're having a lot of success with right now. You know, I don't know if Bruce Arians was being politically correct or not when he said in his press game or his post-game press conference, you know, he doesn't like to use the term killer instinct. He just wants a better finish. I like killer instinct. I mean, I, I, I like go for the, you know, go for it and, and put your opponent away, like literally just rob them of their life and just, just end it, finish them, you know, as, okay, as, really as, you, as you would say, a moral combat, right? <laughs> I'm just saying it's, it's like, but that's what you need. That's what you have to have because there's, there's teams out there that if you don't do that, if you don't kill them, they're going to rise up mm-hmm. from the dead and, and beat you. I mean, Ask the San Francisco 49ers about Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, no lead is safe in the NFL against really, really good teams with really, really good quarterbacks. And once you get to the playoffs, once you get to the Super Bowl, that's more often than not what happens. And and so you have to want to kill the other team and literally bury them and, and, and put them away. And I think that, that that's going to be going forward with the Buccaneers have to work on is great. These hot starts are fantastic because Mark, we have seen our share of slow starts uh, over the past decade or so. And that's, that's a big reason why the Buccaneers have always had to try to play from behind. It's great when they're playing from, you know, for uh, playing with the lead to start games. That's, that's kind of like a new phenomenon around here, but you got to play all four quarters and you have to, um, you you got to cash in, on on the winnings, right? When you when you start off with a hot hand, you gotta you gotta finish, and you gotta you gotta make sure that you get the win and reward yourself for that hot start by by ending with a strong finish. This team is two and one, and I would say that they're at least offensively they're they're still only operating at maybe 60 percent. There's still Agreed. a yep. lot of plays out there, and and that bodes well for the future. Again, the, the, not didn't mean to say again because I haven't said it yet, but. The injury situation, it's something that's a little concerning. Um, Matt, this is your homework this week. I want you to check all the other teams' NFL injury reports when they start coming out Wednesday. Is there a team that's been more hamstrung by hamstrings than this football team? Sean Murphy Bunting, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Yeah. I mean, we're three weeks into the year. And, 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 and that this was is the injury last year, Mark. That was right. the injury last year, right? Exactly. Scotty Miller, Brashard Perryman, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Yep. Um, Jordan Whitehead. Jordan has, Whitehead yeah. had his season end with an injury. So, yeah, there's – for whatever reason, I don't know what's happening. And the Buccaneers have invested so much into sports science. Sure. But I'm just telling you, under Greg Schiano, Raheem Morris, uh, Dirk Cutter, uh, Lovey Smith, I've yep. never seen this many injuries in uh, one area of the body, the hamstring. It's just crazy. I'm not sure what they're remember doing. Remember Mike? Remember but, Mike Williams? It did like tore off of his bone. I mean, uh, and I mean, he had a vicious hamstring injury. 
Um, is that his name? Am I remembering Mike Williams? Is that his name? I've already that, forgotten the uh, receiver. Is, I don't know about the injury, but Mike Williams did play for the Bucs. Yeah, he did play. No, it's, One of the three was, Mike Williams. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, the, maybe the Buccaneers should look into, like, insuring these players for insu- for, for hamstring injuries, guys. I don't know. Smart. Probably a good idea. And, and I don't know if they can insure a player for a hamstring injury, but if they could, I know who would. That would be Briar Greaves in Tampa because for over – 30 years, three generations of family-owned insurance agency in the greater Tampa Bay area has been protecting you, your family, your business, and your property. They are an award-winning agency. They're not just some mom-and-pop agency that pops up overnight and is gone a year or two later. You don't stay in business for 30 years without doing something right. They sell personal. They sell commercial insurance for your home, for your auto, for your boat, for your life, for flood insurance, for commercial insurance, for your hamstrings, maybe. Call and speak with Sam or Briar today for a personalized touch. I love calling them up because I know I'm going to get one of those two guys. Um, They're not typical insurance guys where they're always out of the office doing those four-hour lunches, right, Uh, at cocktail hour. These guys are in the office. They're working hard, and they'll work hard for you. Call them up. Speak to either Sam or Briar. Get a quote today. Uh, Give them a call. Storm season's here, guys. Uh, Hurricane season lasts through the end of October, so there's still another month, and it's really in the prime part of hurricane season. Make sure that all of your property is properly um, property is properly protected by calling Briar Greaves Insurance. Let me give you that phone number, guys. Phone number 813-876-4166, 813-876-4166. Let them know that you're a pewter report podcast listener, and uh, I promise you they'll take great care of you. They personally insure me. And um, and they'll take care of you as well. And um, you can also visit them on the web at briargreavesinsurance.com. Yep, that's true. They got a great website too, where they can where it shows you all of the different services and things that they provide. We all need insurance, whether it's auto, life, home. Everybody needs insurance. Give them a call. They're big Bucks fans, season ticket holders. Good news for Bucks fans, guys. Announcement came out this week. A few people are going to be in the stands for the Chargers game, kind of a soft opening, and then the twenty five percent capacity. Um, in that Green Bay game that'll be coming up in, in October. So that's kind of a little bit of good news for Buccaneer fans and for these season ticket holders. And we've kind of learned a little bit about how, because a lot of people are asking when they do let people in, how is it going to be? I mean, how are they going to determine who gets to go? And from what I understand and from the articles you guys put up this week about it and talked about it, um, the most tenured season pass holders from 98 or uh, prior to that are going to get first priority at purchasing these tickets. Let me just ask you guys, let's go around the table real quick. How would, I mean, if you're a Buccaneer season ticket holder, uh, are, are, you, are you going to the game, Scott? It's just a yes or no. Not going to get yeah. political, but are you going? No, yeah, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, definitely. Johnny? Um, I mean, I would like to know how they're going to go about it, but I mean, I think it's very clear to me that there is a way that you can do this safely. Will it be done safely? You know, will they be able to follow those precautions? Um, you know, I would hope so. But, I mean, to me, I don't know why you couldn't in a massive stadium socially distance people, require masks, and people couldn't go to the game. I mean, obviously you're not going to be near full capacity. But, yeah, to me that doesn't make any sense why that can't happen. So I'm glad that it seems like things are moving in that direction. Now you just hope it's done really responsibly and all the protocols are followed. And I think at this point there's been a long time for that to, to be established. And so you hope that that plan is really well thought through and executed. And part of the reason that it's taken as long as it has that there weren't going to be 
um, you know, there weren't fans at the Carolina game was the uh, TSA and um, the Buccaneers were installing a lot of safety measures. I mean, everything is going to be cashless, right? There's going to be no cash transactions at the game. Uh, ticketing is going to be touchless. When you go into the bathrooms, they've had to install all automatic, uh, you know, items and things like that as well. So uh, they're doing a good job at it. Anyway, that well, really you know doesn't what? have a whole lot to do with this game. Yeah, but go ahead. Here's the thing, too. I mean, the worst thing about COVID nineteen, right, is is it's it's really it not only has it killed a lot of people, but it's it's put a screeching halt to a lot of things in this country. But the one thing I will say going forward is, at some point in time the world's going to be rid of COVID-19, right? The Spanish flu disappeared. It took about two years, I believe, uh, back in 19, what, 18 and 1919. But at some point in time, COVID-19 is going to be a thing in the past, hopefully sooner rather than later. But things like the flu and the cold, the common cold, you know, viruses are, they're prevalent in society. And And I think- There'll be new ones, right. But I think this this contactless environment, this world that we're living in um, from a- uh, from a public standpoint, is a good thing, right? If you don't have to flush yeah. the toilet with your hand, um, right. you know, if if you don't have to, you know, to necessarily, uh, you know, transaction, you know, uh, you know, buy things, purchase things with money that that that, uh, that touches people's hands. I, I I think as a society, the the silver lining all this is we're going to be hopefully a lot less sick going forward with some of these new measures and technologies that are coming to the forefront. And I'll be honest with you, I have no problem uh, continuing to stay six feet away from people. I don't really well, like people that much. Yeah, I was gonna say people you don't know, like I don't you like either, standing so in lines. Kind of easy people. for for people that uh, you're around to not want to be what, near you. What I'm what I'm hoping policy for you to follow, Mark. What what I'm hoping to <laughs> is to not, Mark, expand people, elevators. They'll make elevators actually, larger. People have actually been social distancing from you for a long time. I don't know if you've, if you've <laughs> seen that or not, but like, thank that's you. Kind of what's my been plan happening. has worked. My plan yeah. has worked. Uh, deodorant, who needs it? Um, <laughs> anyway, just kidding. I hey, always speaking of plans. Deodorant. Can we talk about the weekend I had at my bookie? Can we just do that for a minute? Yeah. Tell the, people. yeah. Yeah. T- tell them, Scott, you, uh, you, you shared with us some great information about a one hell of a weekend for you and your Kansas I State did. Wildcats. Yes. And, and I tell you, after, after week one, where I took a bath in terms of NFL and uh, college games, I bet on my K-State Wildcats against Arkansas State. And Rick Stroud was happy about that one because uh, that was a big upset in Manhattan. And I also bet on Iowa State versus Louisiana, and they got punked as well. So uh, after licking my wounds and taking week two off, I came back with a vengeance in week three. I hit smash publish on KSU plus 1350 on the MyBookie money line. And if you guys know me, I don't bet a whole bunch of money. I got four kids. Coward. <laughs> um, yeah. Coward. Uh, well, yeah, I, I just do $5 bets typically, but uh, that $5 bet on the, on the K-State money line won me $67.50. So wow. to me, that's big time. And then sure. I hit, I smashed the Buccaneers uh, point spread today uh, in Denver, minus six. And I also smashed the Seahawks with their minus five and a half. Both of those teams covered. And now all of a sudden, I've got more than $120 worth of winnings thanks to this weekend. So listen, if you've been living under a rock, you know that the NFL is back and the NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs are in full swing. Baseball's around the corner. It can mean only one thing. It's winning season at my bookie. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I got a gut feeling about a matchup, 
like I did with the Buccaneers. I didn't really have that feeling with K-State this week. That was more of a, hey, I could bet $5 and win a whole bunch. I did not believe K-State was going to pull off the upset against Oklahoma, but they did. And as a result, I won big. But I knew that the Seahawks were going to cover and the Buccaneers. So I bet on those teams uh, for that reason, regardless of whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to bet for the first time. My bookie is your best bet this season. With the biggest online selection of bets and props, they've made it simple to win and easy to withdraw your cash. Right now, they got a $100,000 super contest going for only a $10 entry, and they're giving away $5,000 in cash prizes every four weeks. You'd be crazy not to invest in your sports knowledge with the kind of potential return on your investment. $10 to win thousands? Sign me up. You can sign up too at MyBookie and just use the promo code PEWTER to claim your 100% deposit match all the way to 1000 bucks. That means when you mention the promo code PEWTER and you put $100 in, they're going to give you another $100. It's a great, easy way to jumpstart your bankroll. NFL, NBA, college football, MLB, NHL, they got it all on tap, but it's not too late to get started with winning season exclusively at MyBookie. So. True story. I almost signed up last night. Um, I, I was at the beach for a couple of days, and so I didn't get uh, back to my my room in time to do it. But I honestly started thinking about it, betting against Florida State. And yeah, and I say that smart. Scott because it, you know it, that that game that that line opened at at nine nine points. I knew there yeah. was no way, no how, yeah. no chance Florida State was going to cover. Um, and and so. I should have done it because I was miserable last night. I was yeah. throwing At things. At least you could have won some, some money, right? I could have right? won yeah. some money. And that's, I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. I, I, uh, you know, if I would have put $100 in, I would have won 100 And, you know, that would have at least made it a little bit more, uh, what's the word, palpable? Powerful. Is yeah. that the right word? Yeah. Uh, you know, but anyway. All right. So my bookie, definitely go check it out. Um, next week, the Chargers are coming to town. But first, before we talk about the Chargers, let's talk a little bit more about this game. I said earlier, I think this offense is still only humming at 50, 60%. John mentioned he didn't think this was Brady's sharpest game. Scott, you mentioned in our group text earlier, you thought it was his best game. Statistically, that's probably true. But I do agree with John a little bit. Um, you know, Brady took some sacks. He That was the big thing. Brady's not going to take a lot of sacks. He's going to get rid of the ball. We saw him hold on to the ball a lot longer than we have. In, in, and he did do, throw a lot of checkdowns. We saw that. But on the sacks that he had, and I think there were two. Were there two official sacks? But um, I think on both of those, those were those were plays where you know he kind of just held on to the ball. He, you know, he he looked a little like a rookie on one of those sacks where he kind of took off running wow. a little bit, and the pressure come the rookie, from behind him. The 20, That's just not a Tom Brady sack. That's not a Tom yeah. Brady sack, though. Tom I mean, Brady's he, not fast. That's he's the got thing. I, but but Tom he's has always fast. had eyes in the back of his head, always and. Yeah. If he hasn't watched Donovan Smith film, and again, I'm not yeah. knocking Donovan Smith for this game, um, you know that that happened to Jameis a few times, right. where you know Jameis stepped up a little bit, and 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 the 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 tackles, and it's common. Um, yeah. You know, they've pushed their guy out of the way. They assume that the quarterback's still in the pocket, and mm-hmm. he's got a clean pocket, and 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 somebody comes up from behind. You know, he didn't fumble the ball, which was good, but yeah, but, I, I, but this he, offense, he had, and still, go ahead. I was gonna say he had two sacks officially, and I th- I think that there was almost one that was three, but he must have got yeah. back to the line of right scrimmage, line, maybe on that scramble. Scrimmage. But yeah, but yeah, I think you know, Mike Evans had a had a big drop on third down. Um, I think I think those sacks were coverage sacks, and and like. You know, and, and like you were saying, you know, he was waiting for somebody to get open, either throw the ball away or or take a chance with it. Uh, but, yeah, I, listen, I, I think at the end of the day, 
Uh, we've seen so many turnovers by Buccaneer quarterbacks, and I'm not sure. going to say the name Jameis Winston. I won't do that. So I'm not no. going to mention Jameis in his or 30. Well, or his, his 30, I don't know who you're talking about, or his 30 interceptions, um, including seven pick sixes. So uh, seeing a quarterback not throw interceptions is good. And Brady, I thought, didn't play very well in, in week one. It was, it was, you know, it was the first game, no preseason tune-ups, threw the pick six. There was some miscommunication with Evans. You know, I think last week, you know, there was an interception. It was, um, you know, maybe he was hit a little bit as he threw. It was an overthrow, trying to hit Gronk. I just thought that he didn't really force the ball this week. And actually, when he did force the ball, it was with pinpoint laser accuracy to O.J. Howard on that 33-yarder that John talked about and wrote about in his Game Changer column or the Scotty Miller strike down the field. I just didn't feel like he put the ball in harm's way today. And and aside from that – fumbled exchange between Leonard Fournette and Brady. I thought the offense played pretty clean outside of the penalties. And, and uh, that's something that has got to get cleaned up because when you look at, at the penalties and if there's reason to be concerned, it's, that's one of the ways you can beat yourself. Nine penalties, 71 yards for the Bucks today, only four penalties for 30 yards for Denver. So still room to, to improve. And I think that this offense really needs to come out penalty-free in the second half because that along with the drop passes and week two really kind of been the, the undoing. And, and I'd say the play calling too, listen, I, I, I got to say this, not a fan of the first down runs. It's, it's too predictable. And too many times the Buccaneers are getting, you know, set up in second and 10 or second and nine or second and eight. But my God, Byron, when you're, I'm talking about Byron Leftwich, but when you're talking about first and 20 and you want to come out and run the ball, I mean, you need 20 yards, and you only got three downs to do it, right? You got to yeah. pick up an average of seven yards per play to do that. And I just don't see the wisdom, especially when you're not a good running team to begin with, right. of trying to run the ball in first and 20. It's a wasted down. And we saw that, uh, I think, a couple of times on Sunday, right, where the Bucks came up just short on, you know, on third and long, and, and, and they ended up punting the ball fourth and three, fourth and two, those situations where if they would have done something better than running Rojo on first and 20, in a couple of those instances, they probably pick up the first down. They probably pick up more first downs and maybe score more than three points in the second half. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it, I thought there was some interesting calls by Leftwich at different points in the game, but I also – Interesting, John? Is that the word I you're going to use? I thought the first John, and 20 can, call was you horrible. You can say it. Just okay. be truthful, man. We are always brutally honest. And uh, we don't we don't care who we offend on Buccaneer plates. They still um, respect us, even if we beat them up a yeah. little bit. Go ahead. Man. I mean, I I don't care about that at all either. But the first and 20 call, Scott already said exactly what was on my mind. So no reason to beat a dead horse there. I thought it was a terrible call. But I do think later in the game, what I was pumped about was that he came out aggressive in the second half. I mean, they're up and really in control of the game. But he showed that he really wanted to put the Broncos away, and I thought I really liked that. I mean, think about the possession after the Levante David pick. He comes out throwing on first down with Brady, 30 yards to Godwin, throwing on first down again, throwing on first down again later in the drive. And so, you know, three first downs on that drive, they threw on all of them. It bogged down with the sacks, and I'm not sure what Brady was seeing in the coverage. Uh, One was a sack. I guess one he technically, like, got knocked forward for a yard but those those plays that that happened with the defensive line line of scrimmage they kind of bogged the drive down I'm not yeah. sure what he was seeing but I thought that it was an aggressive approach by left which late in the game 
which bodes really well, in my opinion, for the direction this team's moving. And when they'll need to have and develop some of that killer instinct, I thought his play calling in the second half did a better job of putting them in position to deliver on that. I think the players need better execution for yeah. sure. Um, I don't think Leftwich was perfect in this game. I think I wrote last week about how his draw play on the first down right after Jonathan Smith went out in, in week two um, kept them from having a chance to score before the half. That was an absolutely ridiculous call. Um, yeah. So there is still been one or two of those in every game, but I did think, I think the process has improved greatly from that standpoint and you think about going to play action on a lot of these first downs, these sudden change opportunities where they're yeah. kind of near midfield, the back shoulder to Godwin, same first play of the drive. That was the 33-yard pass to O.J. Howard's first mm-hmm. play of the drive off play action. So I really like that he did some of those things in the game. Okay. And I think if he can keep doing that against good teams and stop trying – you know, I still don't think this is a running football team. I agree. Just not – the scheme is not If you want to run the ball, <laughs> pass to set up the run. Right, I think this team yeah. is trying to do it the old-fashioned way of running first and trying to establish the run. You can establish the run by throwing the football on first down and then run right. it on second, maybe oh, run that, it out on third. That reminds me, Scott, of a call early in the, early in the first half, and it didn't end up mattering to, to, in the grand scheme of the game, but they ended up settling for a field goal. I think it was what made it 10. I think it was a tone point, 10 nothing in. They ended up settling for a field goal. They go empty on third and yeah, half third a yard. And one. And, yeah, And I, I like being aggressive, but to me, if you're going to go empty on third and half a yard and you are going to throw an incomplete pass, then that to me means that you need to go for it on fourth down. Like that right. you thought you had a shot or something like that on third and you already were planning to go for it on fourth, and which well, I'm fine with. I don't but understand that run. I don't understand empty because, listen, as a – as a former Pop Warner defensive coordinator for six years, okay, like when when I Coach see empty, year. well, I mean that's yeah, that, well, for two of those years, yeah, yeah, two of those years. Yeah, we had, brag we had division twice. titles, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I won a game on a safety, sure. I'll talk about that. Those division, <laughs> you were there for that one, Mark. Yes, I was. Both of my sons, Caden Hart and Logan Reynolds, got a safety to win the game. That was beautiful. Yep. But I digress. But what I'm saying though is, is when you look at at um, what was I talking about? I just got I just got so caught up in my past glory. The, that the empty, going, going empty. empty. Going empty. Yeah, yeah, I mean, go, going empty. I mean, any threat to run. It's, it, it just, there's no threat it, unless yes. you're a mobile quarterback, unless right. you're Lamar Jackson, exactly. right, which we know Tom Brady isn't. But my no. gosh, man, it's like when you go empty, there's no surprises. So if, if you're going to have a running back in the game and you're going to flank Shady out or if you're going to flank Fournette out, okay, well, if you want to throw the ball to the running back, that's fine. But put him in the backfield. At least give yes. give the threat of the draw or the toss or whatever. Right? At least at least don't make it easy on the defense. And I just I just thought that I don't like that. We've seen Dirk Cutter do that, and I I I hate third and one empty backfield. It's just yep. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yep, totally agree. And the sneak and so, have Brady have Brady under center. You know what I yeah. mean? He's in shotgun there, like an absolutely. Empty, like, have him under. He's the best quarterback sneak. I mean, you don't. Sometimes you don't have to overthink it, man. Like, yeah, short yards. You need is, a yard. Easy. Don't you make need it three hard. feet. That's it. Right. You know, and right. when you're when you got a six foot four quarterback, I mean, you're you're there. And especially too, and I don't get this. And I saw this, and I saw this in the K State Oklahoma game. I, I don't understand when it's goal line or when it's when it's third and one or fourth and one, whatever. Why you don't put? A player over the center why why you create that natural gap i've seen that in so much football this weekend it's just crazy to me it's you're inviting the quarterback sneak up the first down if you don't have a nose right over the center because it, you're just giving you're just telling the centers snap it and fall forward and i'm i'm right. falling down on your back but 
All right. Well, we're going to wrap up. But before we do, guys, we want to remind everybody to make sure to patronize and visit another one of our sponsors. In fact, our longtime sponsor, Pin Chasers Bowling Alley, with three locations in the Tampa Bay area, including one on the Veterans over by um, Hillsboro in the Veterans area. Also up in Zephyr Hills, but our favorite one, the one on Armenia, um, you know, they are getting back to being open. They've been at 50% capacity for the last couple months, uh, but they're soon going to be back open at 100% capacity, which means you'll have an opportunity to go and have a good time with your family. Now, they're doing all that they can do to keep you as safe and as healthy as possible. And uh, Anthony Peroni and his family have been Buccaneer fans and season ticket holders since 1976, since day one. And they invite all of the Pewter Nation listeners to come out and enjoy Pin Chasers. They've got some great daily specials. They've got some great deals uh, for guys like Matt, who loves $1 drafts. I mean, Matt loves him a $1 draft. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, and, and they've got some daily specials. The place to find it, though, is if you go to pinchasers.net, they've got a list of all of their daily specials, whether it's the night bowling, whether it's the dollar draft or dollar hot dog or dollar Pepsi product nights, uh, the cosmic bowling, the different leagues that they have. The leagues are back up and running now, and, and they're going to be expanding more. Uh, the Pewter Nation League will be getting back up and going very soon. We'll have more details about that later on this season when we'll be able to start that up again. But go to pinchasers.net, check them out. Armenia, also on Hillsborough near the Veterans, and up in Zephyr Hills, pinchasers.net. Proud sponsors of Pewter Nation Podcast. Mark, John, I got a final thought here, right? And I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but but we talked about this Buccaneer team, if they can win the winnable games, if they can stop eating themselves, not turn the ball over, which they were – they were plus two in the turnover margin today with the interceptions by Mike Edwards and Levante David. If they can continue to win the winnable games and you look at the schedule and right now, and it's, it's still got weeks to go, a lot can happen, but the Vikings are sitting there at 0-3. The Giants are sitting there at 0-3. The Chicago Bears, I, uh, I, I think they're, they're a little bit of a fraud. We'll see. Um, They've beaten three of the worst teams in the league. They have. I think it's smoke and mirrors in Chicago. We'll find out. And Nick Foles, hey, he beat Tom Brady, Tom Brady once before. It was in the Super Bowl when he was the quarterback of the Eagles. I'm sure don't, Tom would Don't think to get Tom Brady hasn't – yeah, he hasn't yeah. forgotten that. Yeah. But uh, I'll just say this. Uh, there's another team that's 0-3, guys, the, the Atlanta Falcons. And one of my predictions, one of my bold predictions from the two-point conversion last week was – by the time the Bucks play the Falcons in December, Dan Quinn ain't gonna be there. <laughs> and after, I don't know how much longer this guy has. He was no he, way. he yeah. entered the hot seat on fire to yeah. start 2020, and after three just absolutely brutal losses, getting destroyed by Seattle in Week One, having an unforgivable comeback and the special teams gaff of all gaffs in Week Two, and then uh, to you know to lose at home. Uh, to the Chicago Bears. Uh, they were up 26 to 10 with six minutes left. They, six they, they, minutes. Yeah. Chicago benched their quarterback in the, yep. in the, in the second half. I just don't know how – Matt Ryan's never started 0-3 before, and I just don't know how Dan Quinn and even Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator, how they survive. But I do think um, – and I don't know exactly who this person is, um, so I really can't name him. But whoever is doing the kicking for the Buccaneers – He's been phenomenal. He has made every single extra point and field goal for the Bucks outside of two blocks. Now, one of those was blocked today. It was an extra point. Mark, I thought that it was against the rules to hop over the line, especially it over is. the long snapper, right? I don't know it how is. they didn't well, catch that. Okay, I will say this. I went back and looked What's at it. I actually taped it. 
the the rule is you can't use your player to propel or vault yourself. I found okay. the specific rule, and right. I actually went back and looked, and it appears that he didn't actually touch his guys. He just timed it perfectly. They saw on film uh, the long snapper, you know, uh, staying low, right? And and he just had an amazing. I mean, it's okay. just a one in a million chance that he was able to do right. that. So um, he does cross yes, in no. the off season and does yes. like a lot of box jumps, right? And so he box you know, jumped over have- the long snapper. They need to have Tristan Wirth do that because we saw him do that in right. swimming pools. He can do in that. The off Great point. And he, plus, he's That's like 6'5. He could block the right. damn thing even yeah, better. Right. right. Yeah. Plus, but, uh, yeah, four inch no. arms. Right. But, but, exactly. But sign Ruckup. We're not going to mention his name. Sign Ruckup. You're talking is, uh, about that doesn't yeah. sound familiar to me at all. But no. I'm just saying, whoever is kicking for the Buccaneers, hell of a job so far. Uh, it used to be a thing where the Bucks would score a touchdown and you'd hold your breath to see if they could actually make the extra point. Yeah, you, now, you don't get up, but you don't, you didn't used to get up and go to the bathroom or to the concession stand after a touchdown. Right. Because you said they're crossing your fingers. Why are you guys talking about this? Oh my God. <laughs> well, John, I don't know who you're talking about. I, I'm not even sure of what you're talking about there. I just wanted to point it out that whoever is, whoever's doing the kicks for the Buccaneers, keep it up because it's, it's kind of fun. Not, having to go through the, the mental gymnastics of, okay, well, they just cost themselves, you know, are they going to chase points now? They're going to go for a two-point conversion because the extra point was and, wide and left. A, and, and another thing about this guy that's going to go unnamed, his kicks are right down the middle too. I mean, yeah. they're not, you're, you're not even holding your breath hoping they sneak inside the upright. I mean, he's just, he's just calm, cool, and collected and just drills these things right down the middle. So Yeah. Maybe by the wood. end of the season we'll know who he is, but, I mean, yeah. Just whoever it is, you know, so far so good. Worth mentioning. Very good. All right. For Matt Matera, our producer. For John Ledyard, my boss. For Scott Reynolds, my real boss. I'm Mark Cook. Saying we will see you on Thursday with another edition of the Pewter Nation podcast. Out. Out. Out.